Marge, a word, please? You know, I'm no art critic, but I know what I hate. And I don't hate this. Your painting is bold, but beautiful. And, uh, incidentally, thanks for not making fun of my genitalia. I thought I did. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, the podcast where we always make fun of our genitalia. This week we are going all the way back to Season 2 to review an absolute classic episode of The Simpsons. It's Episode 7F18, Brush With Greatness. I am Dando. Oh, and I am Guy. Forgive the lateness of my reply. <laughs> Not going to lie, listeners, we had that like guy's like, come to me off air. He's like, I've got a bit. I'm like, oh, Guy never has bits. Let's do it. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't show them what goes on behind the curtain, man. Jesus. <laughs> well, we are very lucky today because we are joined by a very special Simpsons artist out there. The man who has set himself the goal of drawing every Simpsons character ever. It's Mr. David B. Cooper. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, man, uh, how many characters are you up to now? Oh, gosh, I'd have to check. I think uh, um, getting close to 200. I think uh, the ones that are going up at the moment are from Homer's Night Out, so 10 episodes in. I'm thinking of the episode Homer's Odyssey, I think it is. Is that the third one, Homer's Odyssey? Yes. Where he becomes the, the safety inspector. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole crowd of random looking people down at the bottom when he's doing his um his speech to the people. Have you drawn those people yet? I've done a fair few of them, yeah. I mean, you get to that frame and it's like infamous in Simpsons history. I felt like I had to kind of... Because <laughs> there's like the guy with the, 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 the two Barts joined at the head and the guy yes. with weird open mouth. I was like... It's just fun to draw those guys, you know? They they're show up once and then never again. But, uh, yeah, I had to kind of immortalise them somehow. I've got to say, David, at the risk of uh, blowing smoke, first of all, your name is D.B. Cooper. That's uh, undeniably cool. Uh, <laughs> and then, on top of that, this is going to be some real smoke blowing. I really dig your art, man. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of a bit of a, a newbie coming in, and but going, you know, trolling down your, uh, your Twitter feed, I'm like, I, I really like the, I don't know, I guess the authenticity of the, you know, the work that you do in, in recreating the Sims character, but also you sort of add a new dimension to it in a lot of ways. I guess I'm thinking primarily of your pin tweet, which is the, uh, your Lenny cartoon, which I read this going, I'm really enjoying this, but I feel also just this deep existential sadness now, <laughs> uh, which is, yeah, a, a nice way to feel on a, on a Monday evening. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, congratulations, man. I mean, Thank you very much. I, your I'm art is cool. <laughs> Cheers. I'm, I'm very lucky that anyone cares at all. Like that Lenny comic was just, um, you know, just sitting watching a movie on a on a Sunday night, and I was just like, I'm just going to sketch out this weird little idea. I didn't expect anyone to to <laughs> care. I didn't expect to depress the world the way that I did. But uh, I guess that's my legacy now, just uh, making everyone sad whenever they see Lenny on screen. You depressed us and impressed us. <laughs> I remember I um I shared it on our page amongst many other pages and like it just exploded on our page. People went mental, got like over a thousand shares. That comic is that where things sort of turned for you? Is that where you went? Oh wait a minute, I can maybe do something with this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like um that was literally a day that kind of changed my life. As I realized how much The Simpsons was sort of inbred into my brain patterns and the mm. way I could kind of reinterpret parts of it and um you know make something new out of it. Um, all, all stemmed from that for sure. The, the, that and the response to it was was 
life-changing. Well, you're like us. Like the, the Simpsons just seems to be just an imprint in all of our brains because we just grew up the show watching every day. But what are your earliest slash favorite memories of The Simpsons, or even just watching The Simpsons as a kid? Well, I, th- I think the UK's experience of, of The Simpsons is kind of similar to the Australian one where it's like it was just on all the time, all through the 90s. So, like, it was hard not to get somewhat indoctrin- indoctrinated. By the time I saw, I started watching it, it would have been about maybe 92 thereabouts, um, at which point I was four. So, like, it's hard not for something to kind of cling on and just become part of your routine at that point. If, if When there's bright colours on screen, they're just going to constantly be there and constantly be going through your brain. So I watched it basically religiously all through. It's hard for me to to kind of think of it in terms of like what are my favorite episodes what are my favorite moments that kind of thing because it's all just one big one big clump of of things that have defined me at this point and like i went i'd say the show got away from me for a wee bit when i sort of left for university that kind of thing but like it was still always there ticking away in the background and then in recent years when i've gone back to rediscover either the old ones or the new ones it's sort of redefined sort of just how much a part of my core it is i always think of like um People who are into The Simpsons, like really into The Simpsons, speak it as a second language. And you can always kind of tell, like you guys will be the same. It's like you speak in Simpsons quotes. You, It's your way of understanding certain parts of the world. Whenever a big news event happens, I go, all right, how does this relate to a Simpsons moment so I can quickly share it on social media and get as many followers as possible? <laughs> now, have you drawn any characters from Brush With Greatness? Uh, well, I've drawn The Simpsons family, obviously. Of course, yes, yes. <laughs> There's, there's a few here and there, like, uh, I haven't gotten to, like, Pro- Professor Lombardo yet or, or whatever. At one point, I did do a, um, a recreation of the painting from the end, the, the the Naked Burns. That was about a year ago, I think. I did a sort of a, just sort of a um, oil painting of that. Did you make fun of the genitalia? <laughs> I actually don't remember. I, did, I remember I did paint it uh, in there. And then I put a big black sensor bar before I posted it online. So I can't remember what was under there. Could be some <laughs> hidden treats for everyone. <laughs> Are you, in fact, a disciple of the Lombardo method? <laughs> the funny thing about the Lombardo method is it's the most basic thing. Like, ev- every artist <laughs> does that anyway. But, like, the fact that he's got it, like, you know, practically patented as his own personalised method is very funny. <laughs> Marge finds it very, like, hard to understand. Like, mm, I don't know about this. It's like, it just shapes Marge. <laughs> but as, a, as, as an artist, that's why I chose this episode for you to, to discuss. What are your thoughts from an artist's perspective of Brush With Greatness? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. Um... This is my first time watching it in probably a good few years, and to see sort of Marge's relationship with her creativity, which, like, obviously that's not something the show gets into very much. Marge is very much like a housewife, just kind of doing, having a quote-unquote boring life. And then this um, this rediscovery of her, her painting was kind of, it was lovely to see. It was nice to see her have a hobby. <laughs> yes. Although I do think it's funny, like, it's, it's a, it's basically, it is a Marge episode but the, the Marge plotline doesn't come in until seven minutes in. And then for the mm. last third, Mr. Burns kind of takes over. It's, it's a shame that a Marge episode, she barely even gets to be in it for a good chunk of it. That about sums up the Marge character, though. But you're saying it's nice when we get to see Marge have a hobby, but it's always sad because the hobby is always something that she's she used to have in the past until the family <laughs> pulled it away from her. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least in this one, it's not like Homer's getting in the way of her enjoying it again. Yeah. Well, that's what I liked about this one was the family being so supportive of each other. Because we've, we're doing season 17 now, and man, the dynamic is just so different. Homer's a, a 
prick to everybody. Like he's not held accountable for anything. The kids are just horrible. Unless they, unless yeah. it suits the story, they can be loving. But mm. most of the time, they're just not nice to each other. Not you're not um appreciative of Marge. But you watch this, and it's just like Homer supporting Marge, and Marge is supporting Homer, and the kids are supporting Homer. And it's just like, oh, this is why the show was so good. Why can't we have this anymore? It worked well because life was conspiring against The Simpsons, or there were outside forces conspiring against The Simpsons, and they were sort of. They had to, you know, band together to to combat that, or to, you know, to back one another up, you know, and that's I think that's what made the show so successful in in those early stages. When you've got a healthy dosing of uh, Burns towards the end, you don't really need a, a another person to be the antagonist. It was nice to see evil supervillain Burns again because he's just he's nothing now. Even by season fifteen ish, I'd say he's just this withered old man who's almost like the butt of the jokes. No one's scared of him anymore. But like for example, in this one here. Homer walks in the front door and shrieks when he sees Burns. I'm like, that's the dynamic that worked? (laughs) Yeah. It's great because he's clearly, you know, physically uh, weak and frail and all that kind of stuff. I mean, as the episode sort of makes explicit. But, yeah, the fact that he still holds such terror. (laughs) He's such a figure of fear. Yeah. Whether it's the money or just his... Yeah, the power that he has to say, well, I don't give a fuck what I say to anyone. You know, I mean, clearly he's got, you know, I'm clout or, or power over the Simpsons. But, to, yeah, of course I'm jealous of that. Uh, but to able to say to a dude in his own house, oh, you're pleased with your current appearance. You're the fattest thing I've ever seen. And I've been on safari. It's like... Motherfucker. <laughs> it's it's I, I never got that joke when I was a kid. And I remember when I was older and I was like, Whoa, what a burn, you motherfucker. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute burns notice. I'm sure as a as a kid in the team I was like clapping along at that, like, yeah, you go burns, but now I'm like, oh, no, it's so cruel. And yeah, it's so bad. It's because Homer's just so genuinely proud of himself and Marge is like, Well done, honey, and then Burns just chimes in, I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> Well, to drop, what did he drop? 25 pounds. That's well, he was 260 about, and he was down to 239, so that's 21 pounds? Yeah, 21 pounds. Yeah. 21 pounds. It's about 10-ish kilos. Is it? Okay, yeah. I'm no good. You guys do pounds in the UK, right? Uh, supposedly. I'm no good with them either. <laughs> you do stone, you medieval people. <laughs> I, that's right. You use stone and stuff. I remember Nicholas like, hey, I lost two stone. I'm like, two what? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I also really enjoy, speaking of Burns, the Burns and Smithers dynamic here because- they always they, they played up in the in the first act where Smithers you know the he he's sexually attracted to Burns you know someone down here loves you too so and she's like shut up but I also like the fact when he says that um Burns is his best friend it's like you, you know like a sort of feel sorry for for Smithers because he, he he wants this yeah yeah it's also there's a there's an innocence to that bit as well where he's like he's my best friend it's it's kind of like it is is Burns love but it's not like it's it's not like a sexual love like we get into in some ways it's just like he's my yeah. He's my friend. He's my brother. He's all I've got. Yeah. It it feels like the definition of a man crush. Yeah. Doesn't it? As sure. as opposed to like a yeah, as opposed to a sexual crush or a sexual desire or something. That's more like, oh, I'm just you know in awe of this person and want to be around them the whole time. Mm-hmm. And which is, I'm going to sound horribly homophobic when I say that. I think it's something I kind of prefer. I like the way they animated that scene where he bit his lip, as you were saying. He, I think he says, from the moment I squeeze his orange juice and he bites his lip. And he goes, to the moment I tuck him in at night. And I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also terrible. Hey, my favourite. What were your favourite moments from the episode, though, gentlemen? We'll start with you, David. Uh, I really love Professor Lombardo. I'd forgotten how mm. much of a burst of positivity <laughs> characters. Like, um, I think the the instinct, the comedy instinct with a character like that would be to make him negative or pretentious or 
you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of art lovers and these kind of things are very kind of, you know, uh, uh, up themselves, very uh, pretentious. Yeah. But like this character is just the opposite of that. He's just very into everything and it's delightful. It's very funny. I can't remember how many characters uh, Lovitz has done prior to this. It might just be our. our well, he does. Episode. He does. He actually does two in this episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. The, the donut salesman. He, um, he, well, he does Artie. He does uh, Lombardo. He does obviously the, the critic, yeah, Sherman, um, and he does the play director. Yeah, I, I don't can't remember his name. Oh, when they're doing streetcar, a streetcar named Marge. Yeah, he's the director of the play in that one as well. Yeah, but any whenever time whenever Lovitz is on the show, it's always fantastic. I know it's, it's fun. He actually he also does the um the owner of the Shelbyville power plant, I think. Yeah, so, but I don't know how many of them have appeared to uh, by this point in the show. You know, late season two. Artie Ziff has, but that might be Ziff it. has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just love the fact that you're, you're saying he's full of praise until you praise him. <laughs> he doesn't take praise very well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a, what a spin. I love that. <laughs> what about you, Guy? What did you like? There's so much that I liked in this episode. I was surprised. I mean, uh, going back, it's been a long time since I, since I viewed this one. Honestly, could barely find a false note in it. Um Huge fan of just the Mount Splashmore stuff. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, it's the Splashmore one! I forgot yeah. about this." <laughs> has so little to do with the rest of the episode. You kind of forget. Yeah. Also, the one with the the water park is the one with um, the painting. Yeah. I think every Simpsons fan that has a soft spot for this opening two or three minutes at Mount Splashmore. We all just we just love it. It just for some reason just rekindles watching the Simpsons when I was a kid. This seems to be one that they played all the time, or it feels that way anyway. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean. Simpsons quotes have become like shorthand to so many people. And, you know, if you want to insist on something, whether like you're asking for a pay raise or something, it's like, will you take us to Mount Splashmore? Will you take us to Mount Splashmore? It's just a Mount Splashmore moment. So I think that's just hilarious. But all the stuff with Krusty leading up to it as well, it feels like a very different kind of Krusty. Um, He seems more sort of. No, less bitter, more sort of engaged yeah. and into the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> and uh, he really, it sounds like he really had a nice time at Mount Splashmore. It's like. You'll come down. I told you you would. Don't make a liar out of me. So, <laughs> the food, the crowd, the melon. Oh, we ate till we plutzed. We ate till we plutzed. Oh, the melon. <laughs> but, um, I'm always happy to hear wise guy. This was a different wise guy. This was a black wise guy. Am I right? Yeah. Who, who was he again? Who was the wise guy voice in this one? When uh, when Marge is going for art classes at the That's community right. college. Yes. Yeah. Whoa, hold on there. Half paint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guy's a big fan of wise guy. Always has been. I love wise guys. <laughs> Oh, hold on there, tough guy. There's a strange angle on him. For some reason, they, they show him from Lisa's perspective, I think. So you're looking up at him. Mm. I don't really understand. Oh, really? Choice, it, was, it was strange. It's funny It's funny you notice like those kind of things. There was one angle in this that I never noticed ever, but when Burns first sees his painting, he turns and faces front onto the camera. I never, I never noticed that shot before. Yeah. Did you, did you notice that? Because front really- on Simpsons is always just like weird to look at. This is a really well-directed episode. Front-facing Simpsons are strange in general, but front-facing Burns, that feels like a, a rare card, you know? Yeah, I think of the nose. Yeah, it's very, very long. Mm. But I, I really enjoyed the, um, another triumph. I just love this. Always just love that. There's the two moments with Lombardo that people always uh, very, very uh, flatteringly use with my art is, yeah. um, another triumph and, uh, the bit where Ringo goes, a homie on me wall. People always use those quotes with regards to my art and it's, uh, it's always, always a delight. Do you get a gear? Yeah. That's Ringo's finest moment. 
Yeah. I love uh, that. And pa- apparently Ringo had these like uh, rules when they, he agreed to do the show. It was like, you wouldn't sign anything. You couldn't approach him. No one was allowed to talk to him or anything like that. And I was like, really? He, ca- he always comes across like the nice yeah. one. <laughs> like yeah. The easy going one. But, and apparently the, the, um, the writer of the episode didn't get the memo. And as soon as um, Ringo got out of the limo, he raced up to him with a poster saying, can you please sign this for me? And everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> but he's still doing the show, obviously, anyway. I think your perception of Ringo being the nice one might have come from this episode. Yeah, possibly that and the fact that he does the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I imagine there's only so many years you can spend being the butt of, like, John Lennon's gangs or John Lennon's barbs. Yeah. It's like, do you think the whole world's at it? Before we move on, I'm sorry to jump back in, but uh, yeah. that whole other triumph, another triumph thing, it's something that I really dig. You'll see it on, quote-unquote, film Twitter a lot. You know, when there's been like an early preview of, say, I don't know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and the first people to go see are always the ones who are the real shills who are like, oh, my God, Marvel knocks it out of the park again. And <laughs> someone will invariably grab a screen cap of, another triumph! <laughs> just cracks me up every and, time. And you can't read it without the voice in your head, can you? It's always, you have to say it exactly that way. Yeah, you really do. That's what I'm talking about with Simpsons as a second language. It's like, you can use that in a shorthand. Everyone knows exactly what you mean. Yeah. Regardless of how long it's been since you've seen that episode, you're like, oh, another triumph. You know yep. what they mean mm-hmm. by that. The thing is, you can yep. use that quote as a positive, as if to say, I really like your work, or as Guy was saying, you know, taking the piss out of people who are always <laughs> <Yeah>. super positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What don't you like, man? Speaking of people, though, who aren't positive, my, one of my favourite moments was just the incessant booing of Homer when they pulled out the slide. That's <laughs> just the boo! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like... That guy's stuck in the slide. That was uh, one that was used quite often, the, the, the shot of him being pulled out with just some type of assorted booze or whatever it is, yeah. Just the terribly sad face that he's pulling as well like when you see his face. <laughs> he's so embarrassed and just the boo! <laughs> And whenever I am eating something that I don't like, it's, hello, taste, where are you? <laughs> I always use the point. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, it's time now for some trivia. Now, we've got several questions each for one David Cooper. All right, you ask the first question here, Mr. Dav- uh, Mr. Davis. Oh, shall I go? Shall I start? You go okay. first. Let's see how good David remembers this episode. <laughs> well, this is a real freeze frame kind of question because I had to freeze frame for it. Oh. Although David probably will just <laughs> nail it. Uh, but can you please name two of the medical conditions that will get you banned from H2O? Uh, no, I cannot. I watched this episode three times and I was like, I'm still not going to get anything in the trivia. No, I, I can't. Sorry. I think one of them's athlete's foot. That is correct. One's a yeast infection. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got the two. The third is impetigo. Impetigo. Okay, that's like an eye infection, isn't it? I thought it was impotence. No, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a doctor, man. All right, here's a question. There was a billboard as they were approaching the, the first ride in, um, in Mount Splashmore. The first shot of Mount Splashmore was called the Wave Walker. There was a big billboard behind the line, David. Did you see what the billboard had on it? Oh, uh, was it the one that says... Our parks are not copless, so don't go topless or something like that. Correct. Well, well done, sir. Yes, there you go. Oh, nice one, mate. All right, let's ask two more questions each. Okay, then. Hang on a second. What is the name of Ringo's butler? I'm, I'm still reeling from getting the last one. I'm, I'm not going to get that. That's Weatherby. It is indeed Weatherby. Well done, Dando. What is the name of the cruel teacher that Marge had when she was at school? Uh, Mr. Schindler. Mr. Schindler, yes. Yeah. Hmm. That was an unusual choice, but I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. 
When did this episode air? Well, this air, this would have been 91, I reckon. Let's have a double check. Hang on one second. This aired in air, April of 91. Schindler's List was 92, wasn't it? 93, I think so. I think so. The, the book yeah. Schindler's Ark yeah. had been out for a while. Well, but was everyone talking about the story, though, when the book was out? Or was it once the movie was out, everyone just went, oh, shit, okay. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, once the once the film came out, it was like, ooh. It's, well, it's kind of like Jurassic Park. But Jurassic Park wasn't, well, it might have been a popular book, but once it became a film, then yeah. it became Jurassic Park. Well, that, yeah, nobody knew dinosaurs before Jurassic Park. No, no one knew. <laughs> what, what are they? <laughs> like when Shepard's List actually came out, people were like, I think it's weird that they're doing a, Spielberg's doing a film about Marge's art teacher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your next question? Your final question, Mr. Davis, for him. Uh, what, how, how deep is the deep end of Rockabye Riptide? Is it 1.5 foot? Oh, nearly go up. Up one more point five. <laughs> two feet. Two. It, it is indeed two inches deep in the deep end of Rockabye Riptide. Stay in the shallow end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I say feet? No, no, yeah, no, I knew what you meant. But as a, um, as a parent now of a small girl who was just very uh, adventurous, I get Marge now. The overprotective is like, no, 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 come down here, come down here, don't, you, don't get away, from, don't you get away from me. Because you've got a <laughs> yeah. small kid as well, David, a small son, yeah. is that right? A son, young son? Yeah, yeah, my wee boy's three and we go swimming uh, fairly often and he's like ready to like go off the top end of the diving board. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and you're not even ready for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> All right, final question here before we get into the review of the episode. How much is admission to the art fair? Oh. Uh, I'm going to take a guess, uh, $100 million. If you take off $100 million, you'd be correct. Yes. <laughs> free, free, <laughs> free entry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that is trivia for Brush With Greatness. We'll be right back after this short break with our in-depth review of the episode. The Four Finger Discount Network is brought to you by our incredible supporters on Patreon. Each month, we provide close to 20 hours of listening content, with our supporters gaining early ad-free access to every podcast, access to our Facebook community, prize draws, Zoom calls, as well as our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Tales of Futurama, The Movie Guys, and Four Finger Discount 2.0, with myself and Mitch continuing where we left off back in Season 11. So if you enjoy everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you too can join the family for just as little as $1 per month and help this podcast dream continue to thrive by heading to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Link is in the description of this podcast. The original air date of Brush With Greatness was April 11th, 1991. It was written by Brian K. Roberts and directed by Jim Reardon. Uh, it was starring Ringo Starr as himself and John Lovitz as both the characters we said earlier, Professor Lombardo and the donut delivery man at the power plant. Chalkboard gag, I will not hide behind the Fifth Amendment. And the couch gag has the couch tips over with the family sitting on it and Maggie sits in its place. All right, mm-hmm. the episode kicks off with the kids watching the one of the final days, or maybe the final day of the Mount Splashmore the uh, Tri-County area's most funnest water recreation facility. And yeah, as we were saying earlier, I just love Chris Krusty here. It was just seemed like he was having such a great time. It was nice, the sideshow. Mal, look, we're very so used to seeing Krusty being angry now because we're doing season 17. But it's just nice to go back and go, oh, there was once a time when he was somewhat happy. <laughs> yeah, well, you mostly, you mostly see him only on camera, which is where he kind of has to be on. That's true, yeah, yeah. The, the shot of him when he's singing the song and he goes... Now, 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 now. That bird, that's one of those <laughs> shots I can always uh, picture just because of the way it's animated. Live from Mount Splashmore, the Tri-County area's funnest water recreation facility, it's the Krusty the Clown Show. Hey, kids! <laughs> you know, today's the last day of our special week on location at fabulous Mount Splashmore. 
And I just want to say, the people here have been super to me in Sideshow Mel. The food, the grog. Oh, they threw us a brunch yesterday with fresh fruit and the most delicious melon. Oh, yay, till he plots. And of course, the thing I'm going to miss most is those special, special Mount Splashmore water slides. God bless them. So much fun. So many memories. Give me a minute. It has been a great week, hasn't it, Lise? I hope all you kids come out this weekend and really pack this place just to show them how grateful I am. I told them you would. Don't make me a liar. <laughs> okay, kids, it's time to... Fruit along with Frosty! Yeah! I want to go to Mount Spicemore. Take me, take me, take me, take me now! I just love that tune. I forgot about that tune. <laughs> I want to go to Mount Splashmore. I'm like, so catchy. Yeah. <laughs> room with Krusty. I'll tell you what I love, though, at the start of that, when he's burst through the banner. I mean, just the little details in this, the, just the bored expressions on the two girls are holding either side. Yeah, There's one in, the one on the left with wearing the glasses is just like, <laughs> rather be anywhere else. Um, and... We've in the episodes that we've covered, David. There's been a lot of sideshow Mel just sort of occasionally piping in with a single line, like in a very declamatory uh, manner. That's probably not even a word. I am sideshow Mel. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, he's doing this. It's like what the fuck. Um, but to, <laughs> to have him just sort of respond with, I'm like, let's do that. Let's yeah. keep doing that. That's all he needs to be. That's all he needs. I wonder to be. if Mel even had a voice at this point because, like. The reveal of him having a, a you know mm. singing voice. I feel that was in uh, Radio Bart or something. No, that would have been Krusty. Get I oh, know the Krusty gets cancelled because he comes back for the Krusty special, mm. right? When he sings, so so he might not have been established as having like this kind of upper class. True, it's probably a, a, oh, a good no. reveal. I apologise, David. You are right. He is in Radio Bart, and that's before season three. So you're right. Yeah. So like maybe they don't know what to do with Mel yet. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it's just the, the sideshow at this point. But, um, you know, that's a rather shameless promotion. Worked on me, worked on me too. Uh, this is a rather shameless promotion that worked on me was um, something they used to play on radio uh, promotions. Oh, really? Like, as in the west of Scotland here. So, like, I used to hear that all the time. It's funny how, like, little lines get played in, like, whether it be commercials or whatever little uh, crossover bits in between, like, TV shows on, on, we call it Foxtel, you guys call it Sky. And whenever you hear that line, you, th you think of that commercial from when you are like, six years old. It's weird how it just stays <laughs> with you. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get the Take Me to Mount Splashmore, which has just become, it, it, it'd have to be one of the at least top 20 most iconic moments in the history of The Simpsons, don't you reckon? Like, everyone remembers this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Will you take us to Mount Splashmore? No. Will you take us to Mount
How was this meant to make you feel? What do you guys like with, with roller coasters and things like that, just rides? I used I to be them. terrible, but I'm good now. Once I met my wife, Nicola was, I, was, I remember went on a holiday with her and she's like, we're going on this. And I was like, I don't think I want to. And then she looked at me and I was like, I think I better go on this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to feel like a real man. I went on there and I'm fine now. What about you, David? Are you good with big rides? Yeah. Do you have any theme parks? Are you, are you Scotland or England? You're Scotland, right? Yeah. Scotland. Yeah. Yes. We've, we've got one sort of major one. And to be honest, it's not that great, but like I'm, I'm terrible with roller coasters or any kind of thrills anyway. Like, uh, yeah, you can't get me near them. My, my wife always wants to go on them, and I'm just like, I'll, I'll get a nice picture from the sidelines. Or yeah. something. <laughs> I'll check the, I'll check the merchandise store. Yeah, why are you doing that? I, I'm good with the. Once it's moving, I'm fine. I hate the build-up when you're going up. It's like, oh man, just get it over with. Get it over with. I, I love this. I love the build-up. The family immediately is all split up, and it's exactly what it's like. You know, you just you don't stick together. You just lose each other straight away. They see the H2 wall, which is a great name for a ride, if you ask me. And <laughs> they think there's no line, but it's actually massive. So Lisa turns on the waterworks. Whoa, all right, no line. Hi, caramba. Okay, Lisa, turn on the waterworks, babe. Step aside, come on. Spread out, spread out, lost kid, coming through. Look out, that's so. Coming through, coming through. Pardon me, moving to the front line. Hey, Elise, nice work, babe. Then we get Maggie with, I'm just, it looks like a life jacket, <laughs> but it's just one of those like floaty things, but it's essentially a life jacket and Matt Marge is being overprotective as always, which I love. And then Homer pushing through and, and the old lady here, God bless that bless man. That. <laughs> There's lots of wacky designs in that queue. There's very yeah, good early designs. I, was, I love them. I was just about to ask, I was like, you are going to have your work cut for you when you get to this <laughs> moment. <laughs> You've got a year's worth of work. The funny thing is, having done this for a year and a half now, there's there's characters in there, just random people in the queue that I recognize. And like, they never oh, got really? blamed. They're never, um, you know, significant characters, yeah. but they were also in a crowd, you know, five episodes ago or whatever. It's, it's fun. It's like these weird little nobodies have become my friends. <laughs> do, you, do you name them all? No, no, I don't give them names. No, it's just like man in crowd or whatever. <laughs> How many are you thinking you're going to have? Like, do you think you're going to stop? You're going to get to a point where you're like, oh, I just can't, I can't do them all. Or, or are you set? Are you going to be doing them all? Because surely you're going to be getting into thousands. It's, it's, I mean, it's fun. Like people always say like it's some Herculean task, task, but um, no, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I, I, it's taken me a year and a half to get through the first 10 episodes so I guess by that, uh, if it continues and I've got another, you know, over 700 to go, this could be a lifelong thing for me and I'm okay with that. I guess it's almost like collecting something, isn't it? Like some people, some people collect stamps, some people draw Simpsons characters. Yeah, exactly. We'll do something. <laughs> the, the, main, the main thing I've committed to is like they have to appear and they have to talk. Which obviously most of these people don't. Oh, they have to talk. Oh, okay. okay. I thought you did, oh, because you did create characters though, didn't you? I, well, I do them as well, just for fun, you know? I've got, like, the main ones, okay, the, yeah. the numbered ones, like, the, the real ones, the ones that get an actual entry, are the ones that talk. Ah, okay. And then if I happen to see a background character design that takes my fancy, I'll do that as well. So I usually have, cool. you know, twice as many characters as I should be doing per episode. But like I say, it's fun. Man with a plan. You, you got a really unique look. I, I've never seen anyone draw anything like the way you draw your Simpsons characters, but what were you doing before the Simpsons characters? Um, all sorts of stuff, like... Uh, yeah, draw, I, I worked in low-level production on comic books for a few years. Um, there's a there's a thing called flatting, which is like what colorists use, where you, uh, they get someone in to to um, fill in all the big flat blocks of color. So if you got like Spider-Man, for example, you do a big red bit, and then the two little blue bits, and then his eyes. 
um, and then a colorist would come in and um, make it look pretty. So that's what I was doing for for many years, and then just kind of drawing on the side um, and making my own comic books. And uh, yeah, the Simpsons stuff has kind of taken over recently. I still try and do my own stuff um, when I can, but I, you know, I know what people want. Bart by the barrelful. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you can find a creative outlet for something that you love? Like well, I'm doing, oh, we're doing this podcast, The Simpsons. Yeah, I yeah. love the, the Simpsons. You're doing this. Art. It's like wow, I found what I'm meant to be doing now. It's it's awesome, isn't it? Once you finally realize, okay, this is what people want, and I, it's what I love. It's it's awesome. I know. I'm very fortunate. Stupid hmm. Looks like there's a jam in Delta Sector. Huh. Well, it's too big to be human. I'll send down a few kids. That should dislodge it. Roger. I just love this scene. I loved the sheer glee of Homer. Like Dan's acting with Homer here, the laugh. Mm. It's like mixture between terror, but I'm having the time of my life. I think it's just absolutely perfect. I think it's great. There's um some weird kind of wavy animation in the tunnel. There is, yeah, especially Bart when he says bitchin'. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah his face yeah, is like, all distorted. Yeah, yeah the, the, the lips are flapping about. It's the sort of thing that you get with um the, the hand-drawn animation. I, I don't know if you get as much of it these days, but uh, yeah, it's a unique look from the time. Well, that's the one thing you sort of find when you're watching, even anything after like season 20-ish. The Simpsons almost looks too crisp and too clean. It doesn't feel mm. the same. From an artist's perspective, do you agree? Like when you watch the new Simpsons, do you, does it take you out of it a bit by how it, you can just tell it's too perfect? Because sometimes you watch the new episodes. And when I went into the studio, the, one of the, um, the animators, Rob Oliver, was saying to me that they almost feel like they have to fill the background with things happening because they can now. And it's easier to do so. Where I feel like that takes, it's distracting, if anything. What, what about you? What do you think? Kind of agree, but I think think that might just be because it's you know i'm used to the old way i'd be curious to know what like someone who's you know in their early 20s and they've only ever grown up with the the kind of the hd simpsons whether that's kind of the norm to them and they yeah. look back at the, the season one season two stuff is like hideously ugly cave drawings <laughs> Eyewitnesses estimate the man's weight at somewhere between mm. four and five hundred pounds. And now on the lighter side of the news, and I use the term loosely. <laughs> Don't. Hey, hey, question. No, this slide is perfectly safe. This was an isolated entry. I understand that, Krusty. No, Krusty, is that exactly what you said right before the recall of tainted Krusty brand mayonnaise? Now, Kent, you know that question is out of bounds. This interview's over. This Krusty. interview's over. I love that Kent and Krusty have like this little working relationship. You know that's off limits, Kent. What are you talking about? It's because he stole his Danish earlier in the day. Yes, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a rare Scott Christensen appearance. Uh, Scott Christian, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he would have stopped after. Se- Did he stop after like season two, maybe? Uh, he appears here and there. I always think it's notable when um, he appears because he's like a named character, but like there's no real personality to him. He's just kind of when they need another reporter. Homer then asks the family, am I overweight? Oh, no, it takes time to properly sugarcoat a response. So he realizes, okay, I need to go on a diet. 
I'm going on a diet. From this day forward, I pledge there will be no pork chop too succulent, no donut too tasty, no pizza too laden with delicious topping to prevent me from reaching my scientifically determined ideal weight. As God is my witness, I'll always be hungry again. Don't shut up. We come back from commercial and Homer and Bart are now in the attic. Now, where do you guys store your old shit that you want to keep but you don't really look at all that often? For us, we put it obviously, we're not in an attic, but it's just like the roof. What about you guys? And do you ever go through it? Because I had to go through it recently and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I had this. Do I need it anymore? Mm. Probably not. Do I want to keep it? Maybe. (laughs) What about you guys? Um, Do you ever go through your old shit? (laughs) Yeah, we've got an attic as well. I was just up there the other day getting some stuff down for uh, our new baby. Oh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. There's um, there's just so much junk in there that I'm never going to look at again. Like, but at this point, it's more effort to go up there and get it than it yeah. is, to, you know, to throw it out. Like, um, it's it's going to stay there until we die, and I'm going to have to be okay <laughs> with it. It's part of the house price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And these are load bearing old DVDs. No, I've got that as well. With um, I'll find myself going to uh, you know Bunnings or some other hardware store to get yet another big plastic container to either put <laughs> DVDs in, but more more specifically, put magazines in. I mean, I found these old cardboard boxes full of magazines that I have from like the two thousands. Um, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, time to time to minimalize, time to you know streamline, time to. Th- of course, I threw up maybe I threw up maybe a quarter of the ones I discovered like. These are gold. These are stiff. These are stacked. I'm off the bunny and get a new plastic box. So, um, yeah. You never know when you're going to need those issues of gigantic asses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is where they uh, they find the Ringo paintings and Homer gets uh, jealous by it. And then he's eating dinner. He's got steamed veggies, rice cakes. And on all the nights he had to choose pork chop night. I've never been a fan of pork chops. I know you guys, I know in England, my wife's English, so in England they love pork. Are you guys big on pork? Because we have beef sausages here in Australia. What's it like in Scotland? Um, we get, yeah, we get a lot of pork. Do you have beef sausages though, or is it pork? We get them, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, because you go to England, you want for beef sausage, you're like, beef sausage? What are you talking about? I'm like, that's all we eat. But like, I mean, buying, a, buying a pork sausage is a is a treat here, don't you reckon, Guy? Like, I'd say pork's our main sausage, but um, I mean, up in Scotland, we've we, I think we've got quite a lot of beef up here. So, um, yeah, we, we'll get beef sausage occasionally. We'll, on rare occasions, you'll get a chicken sausage. But, you know, yeah. that's mm. that's a, a rare treat, I suppose. Always very disappointed when you come across a chicken sausage at a quote-unquote sausage sizzle. Do you know what a sausage sizzle is, by the way, David? I do not, know. That's, that's basically where it's usually like a charity or whatever. It's just they've got a barbecue and they're charging like a dollar a sausage or whatever to raise money for a charity of some kind. We call it a sausage sizzle here in Australia. Or a butcher's shop on the main street will set up a barbecue outside their place and say, try some of our wares for, you know, a, a reduced price or whatever. Hmm. And, you know, I used to love going down to this uh, street in Geelong where, where, where we're from. They'd have one set up. It's like, oh, fantastic. Got the beef or the curry sausages going on today. But occasionally they have the chicken sausage. And that's one that has to be really cooked precisely. You can't undercook a chicken sausage. I mean, that's when you get diseased. So yeah. I'm like, oh, man, chicken sausages today? Come on. You're not getting my, you're not getting my gold <laughs> coin donation. I'm sorry. The, child, the, the wing of the children's hospital is not being built. Hey, Mom, these paintings are good. While I know firsthand how fragile young talent is, I'd love to hear the particulars of how your gift was squashed. Mm, well... No, not another portrait of that bongo-beating liver puddling. But, Mr. Schindler, uh, I... Someone might have used this canvas to create a masterpiece. Instead, you soiled it forever. Now, this 
is art. Thank you, Mr. Chandler. Oh, Mom, I can't believe you gave up painting because of one small-minded art teacher. I was so upset, I decided to send the portrait to the only man on Earth whose opinion I could really trust. And what was Ringo's response? Mm, I never got any. And I never painted again. Maybe you could take a class at Springfield Community College. I think it's a very nice idea. As you were saying earlier, David, at least it's not Homer holding her back. It was just she gave up because she just yeah. felt like there was nothing positive coming from it. Lovely little detail on the letter that uh, she sends to uh, to Ringo Starr. Got little sealed with a kiss in the bottom right, in the bottom corner. Which yeah. I think it's just adorable. I, I'm just a huge fan of little filigree touches like that. And they're, they're started throughout this episode as well. I'll, I'll, it's not really a huge one, but it's one that I'll get to later when we when it when it shows up. But uh, you know, I, I just thought that was really great. Lisa suggests you know, do a class at the uh, community college, and she says, "Homer, do you reckon I should? Do I have to do anything? No, and eh, go crazy." And of course, meanwhile, he's covered his rice cake and just everything. See, that's good, jerk ass Homer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's selfish. But sort of understandably so. I mean, it's like, yeah, what, I've got a rice cake for dinner? No, my, okay, I'm, I'm devoting my attention to just slathering it with everything else that's in the fridge. I mean, that small degree of selfishness is understandable and kind of relatable. I can't tell if that rice cake looked delicious or disgusting. What, did, like, what was on it? There was cheese of some kind. I saw cheese oozing down the side. Bunch of olives. Meat. Yeah, it was, a, it was meat, I think. I mean, it looked delicious. He made like a vertical pizza. But then we're at the community college where old dogs, old dogs go to learn new tricks and Apu is doing a screenwriting class and he's got a, a what's the script called, Guy, do you remember? Hands up by Jerky Turkey. That's right, yes. Written by Sanjay, his brother. I think Sanjay's came up with the title. Sanjay came up with the title, that's right, yes. Sanjay, my brother Sanjay thought of it. Uh, then Lisa wants to enroll her in the painting from life uh, class. And unfortunately, you have to get your portfolio inspected by one Professor Lombardo. And they make him look so menacing, don't they? He's got his glasses on and he's looking all evil. <laughs> well, he looks like he was constructed using the Lombardo method. Yeah, true. Yeah, he's very shapely, isn't he? Sort of pointy beard and yeah, round head. But Marge, I like, I like that Marge panic straight away. She's like, oh, this is, this is a bad idea. I'm like, Lisa's like, come on, Mum, you can do it. doesn't matter. If yeah. he says no, who cares? At least you tried. Ah, very good. Fabulous. Ah! Even better. You have real talent. Hmm, do you really think so? My high school art teacher hated them. What? The man was a fool. But still, one must admire the force of his conviction. That I'm in the class? Oh, my dear, there couldn't be a class without you. Now, if you'll excuse me, nature calls. Marvelous! Everything about this, nature calls. That, I use that to this, well, not all the time, but whenever I need to tell it, nature calls. Because it's just one of life's great unsung joys is just speaking like John Lovitz. Oh, every, everything yeah. sounds happy and joyful when you say it like John Lovitz. You can say anything. <laughs> I hate you. But I love that he's, yeah, the Lombardo, yeah, you're right what you said earlier. I mean, he looks intimidating in that sort of, arty, pretentious kind of way. And, you know, that exposure we had to Mr. Schindler sort of gives the impression, oh, art guys are going to be pricks. And this guy is unfailingly positive from the jump. I just love, what? The man was a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you want this this dude on your side. It's lovely. You know what's great is that's just John Lovett speaking. I I feel like just hanging out with John Lovett would just be such a joy, don't you think? Just just being, (laughs) I'd love to be that guy's friend. Everything would be fun. (laughs) One would hope that he would not be a Jerry Lewis type who was like a wonderful clown on camera and then you get him off camera. He's like, what do you want? 
you hear John Lovitz on some of the commentaries and such occasionally, and honestly, he seems like he's kind of mean to his friends, like in a in a jokey fun way. But like, I'd, I'd be scared. Maybe maybe he's kind of like Howie Mandel. Was it Howie Mandel? You said was evil on the um, Gremlins. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, David, we did um, a, a review of Gremlins, and I watched it with um, the actors' commentary on, and they had Howie Mandel who does the voice of Gizmo, and he. About halfway through, he just started taking shots at Zach Galligan, who's this, you know, the pretty boy lead. And yeah. Zach Galligan was clearly down on himself, saying, oh, my performance here isn't very good and all this kind of stuff. And, yeah, Mandel just sort of saying, just having a go at him in very passive-aggressive ways. You couldn't really call him on it, but I was like, man, what a dick. <laughs> I think he, I think maybe it's just a comedian thing. Maybe it's just how they are. Yeah, although Lovitz is always going to be eternally in the cool book. Apparently, I don't know if I've mentioned this anecdote on the podcast before, but um, we all know the you know the tragic circumstances regarding oh, Phil I've Hartman's heard this story, death. Yeah. yeah, and about how Andy Dick apparently got uh, Phil Hartman's wife back on drugs or drunk or that's whatever. The, that's what's been said. Yeah, that's the rumor. Yeah, yeah, and the other rumor or story is that John Lovett just fucking punched him in the face. Yeah, it went up to him in the restaurant and just went bam. <laughs> yeah, heard <laughs> yeah, that. How do you how do you live down being smacked the fuck out by John Lovitz? Yeah. <laughs> if the guy wasn't embarrassing enough for himself, yeah. Correct, but, correct. But, but, I'd love it if he sort of hit him with even a right cross. <laughs> <laughs> but um but Homer here, he's in his sweatsuit, he's sitting on the couch, he can't get up, so Bart takes advantage of this and takes his wallet. And now meanwhile in class, Marge is learning the Lombardo method. Now, using the Lombardo method, you learn to see everyday objects as a simple grouping of geometrical shapes. Here, we see how two concentric circles, various trapezoids, ellipses, and yes, even a rhombus can create an adorable little bunny rabbit. It's just that easy. But then we get the montage here of Homer exercising, and I love the shot here. It's like two things... Uh, working at once they sort of come together at once so marge is painting homer and she's figured out the lombardo method as he's doing the skip rope mm-hmm. and at the same time homer's exercising the kids are all supporting him i'm like what a nice family bonding moment this was the kids are helping <laughs> homer marge is marge is realizing she, it's like it's all clicked in her head homer's doing well for himself he's really trying his family supporting him i was like this is awesome i really like that scene i really love when you see homer skipping in the shapes like the lombardo method that's what i mean it's yeah, like, when, she's, yeah. when it's clicked for her yeah yeah, it's just it's just really weird looking, but I like it. Well, it kind of <laughs> looks like the um the robot. Uh, what's the dancing robot? What's his name? Oh, the uh, one Richard at- Simmons. Richard Simmons, yeah, the, the robotic Richard Simmons. It kind of looks like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Lombardo uh, encourages everyone in the class. You know, stand back. Now it belongs to the, to the ages. <laughs> <laughs> no more brush. One more. <laughs> <laughs> And then he says to Marge, takes her out, he says he's nominated her bald Adonis for the Springfield Art Fair. Marge, they've asked me to submit the best painting from my class to the Springfield Art Exhibition next week. I've decided to choose your bald Adonis. Really? You're so supportive. I wish every teacher was like you. Marge, please. I don't take praise very well. Oh, another triumph. It's like his one moment of negativity and it's about himself. Mm. Oh no! There is one. There is one later. Oh the, yes, oh, which is sort of, yeah, which is there. But 
He's very subdued when he says when he says it though, yeah. Uh, but Marge, um, she wins uh, the first prize at the um, at the art fair, and Holmes, I'm a work of art. Last supper, reach your heart out. By the way, I'm sorry. <laughs> Something I always get a laugh at. <laughs> the other work of art with the, the sad unicorn with the, with the pollution. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, the guy's like, guy like now, nah, fuck this. <laughs> And then we get Burns yelling at the artist who was trying to draw the portrait of him. Garbage! What matchbook art school did you flunk out of, you ham-fisted, nearsighted house painter? Smithers, throw this on the dung heap. I'm sorry, this isn't working out. I quit. Well, Smithers, I guess that's what you call your artistic temperament. Sir, I must remind you that the dedication of the Burns wing of the museum is only six days away. Damnation, Smithers. This idea of yours to immortalize me in a portrait was as half-baked as your idea about me having children. Smithers, find me an artist. Sir, I'm afraid you've systematically alienated Springfield's entire art community. The only one left is this Mrs. Homer Simpson. Who? Well, uh, she won first prize in the Springfield Art Fair and is the wife of an employee. She'll be easily intimidated. Excellent. Once again, the wheel has turned and Dame Fortune has hugged Montgomery Burns to her sweet, perfumed bosom. Somebody up there likes me, Smithers. Somebody down here likes you too, sir. Shut up. We don't get those kind of gags anymore, really, do we? Now, even after season 17, I don't think they really mm. do that anymore, don't you reckon, Guy, in season 17? Not seeing them as much. No, no not, no. not I mean, as much. Whether they anyway. got sort of, whether they got played out or moved with the times. You mean, you mean the Burns Smithers dynamic? Yeah, they're basically the, you know how you sort of get the, I've got a rocket in my pocket, you'd have to tell me so. Or, you know, can I, can I kiss your butt? That kind of thing where it's always, it's implied that Smithers is sexually attracted to Burns. Mm. You don't really get that much anymore. Well, maybe this sh- era of the show, they're sort of establishing a lot of things, and now they kind of assume that, um, like nowadays, yeah. they assume that people already know that's yeah. the dynamic. It's like the same way you don't get um, Bart Crank calling Mo. They gave up on that because it's like, we've done this. We need to yeah. move on to something else. And, and you sort of think that that was a big part of the golden era. They only really did it for the first couple of seasons, maybe a couple of times after that, but it's in the first two or so seasons, and after that, it's just like never there. But yeah. then we get uh, Homer Wayne himself, and he's down to two forty nine. Something I really dug is one of my it's one of my favorite moments of the episode. Just uh, I think it's a really great direction where, you know, you've got the the Clint Eastwood showdown music approaching. Yeah, approaching. Homer's the approaching the scars. Right. I mean, it's like that's the vibe, isn't it? When you're on a diet, you're like that. It's, yeah. it's like it's your enemy. You're like, come on, I've been really good. Yeah, but you could have easily just had him sort of walk in, or yeah. you know, or just cut to him sort of about to get on. It's like. No, let's use this as a uh, a character beat, or let's use this as a story beat or a story illustration. I thought I I really appreciated that. Do you guys know much about the director of this episode, Jim Jim Reardon? It's because like uh, we happened to be watching um, Wreck It Ralph the other week, and I noticed his name in the credits, and I was like, I recognised his name from The Simpsons. And I was like, I wonder what career this guy has had. Um, yeah. Between because a lot of the early Simpsons people they went on to do bigger and better things oh. for reasons. I was like, Brad I, I don't Bird, really- man, Brad Bird did The Incredibles and The Iron Giant yeah. and things, yeah. Mm. And um, Greg Daniels worked on The Simpsons. He's now the, the the co-creator of King of the Hill. We just started a King of the Hill podcast as well. Yeah, it's sort of like The Simpsons was the breeding ground for Hollywood's animators. And then someone like David Silverman have just like, this is a good gig. I'm going to stay here forever. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, I'm just looking at Reardon now. He was the uh, he was he supervised the storyboard department and co-wrote Wall-E. It's kind of a big deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> co-writing things like big uh, Wall-E. Yeah, that's huge. Oh, he actually. Directed a lot of Simpsons episodes. Holy shit! Yeah, like some yeah, absolutely I, I great. Yeah, mainly from the Simpsons. And I was just wondering what he kind of went on to do afterwards. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, he was the he was the writer of Wreck It Ralph. 
He was right, a storyboard well. artist of Inside Out. He was the writer of uh, Zootopia. Oh, he was the writer of Ralph Breaks the Internet. Wow. <laughs> Good for him. Got that sweet, yeah. sweet Disney slash Pixar money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, even the, the Simpsons will be getting that Disney money now. David Silverman's mm-hmm. getting the Disney money now. I think everyone's getting Disney money eventually. When they when they finally introduce universal basic income, it's just going to be Disney bucks. Yeah. <laughs> the Disney dollar. Yeah. Yeah, but the fa- Homer's very proud of himself for losing um, some, some weight. He's down to 249, and he, the kids don't really pay attention. What did I say about supporting your dad? Oh, you look marvellous. What a family. I love that. What a family. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, a, what a very early 90s reference. With, you look marvellous. Yeah. Billy Crystal from Saturday Night Live, but there yes. we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the donuts are now piling up at the power plant. Hey, what gives? These donuts are piling up. <laughs> yeah, Homer Simpson went on a diet. Oh, my God. And I just bought a boat. Did you notice Carl had Lenny's voice here? Yeah, I always oh. noticed that. Like, I, this, this episode, I believe, no Lenny to be seen, which is always a disappointment for me. But, yeah, mm. having <laughs> Carl with Lenny's voice felt like an insult. Was Lenny always your favourite, or did he just become your favourite when he helped you build a career? I, I can't say I thought twice about him before I made that comic. That, now, <laughs> like, now I applaud whenever he's on screen, but like, uh, yeah, but before that, I wouldn't have like barely thought about him. Have you animated the "Can't Get Anything in My Eye" moments yet? No, I, I researched. Like, I did a post about Lenny, uh, the character, and um, I sort of documented all the times he's had eye injuries. Mm, and it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> even more than you think. <laughs> it's a, it became a running gag, and I never realized until we were doing the podcast and we're doing all these reviews in order. I was like, oh, another Lenny eye gag. Oh, another Lenny eye gag. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird <laughs> one. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's, it's funny. Um, then we get, yeah, as we said, John Lovitz as, as the donut man. And it, it, okay, once you tell me it's John Lovitz, it sounds like John Lovitz, but it doesn't really sound like John Lovitz because he usually just does John Lovitz voice. And this one doesn't really sound like John Lovitz voice, if that makes any sense. Less so. I think it's fun when they bring the guest star in to do a secondary voice that's like, you know, one line or whatever. You you can you can spot it here and there, but it's rare. Like Mel Gibson's not doing any voice other than Mel Gibson. No. But you get someone yeah. like John Lovitz in and he'll, he'll, he'll play, you know. It's funny that John Lovitz, he technically is a guest star, but I always just see him now sort of like a cast member because he's just son- mm. done so many. It's like it's kind of mm. like Kelsey Grammer. You don't see him as a guest star. It's like, oh, no, he's, he's Sideshow Bob. He's just, he's a regular. Or Albert Brooks. He's the yes, oh, sing- oh, by the way. Can I recommend an episode called The Heartbreak Kid if you haven't watched it from season 16 with an Albert Brooks uh, appearance in that episode? We did it recently. It's one of the f- it's up there with Hank Scorpio. It's hilarious. Honestly, okay. listeners out there, if you're a listener of this podcast, you would have heard our review of it. But if you haven't, you just listen to this one because you're a fan of Mr. Cooper here and you haven't listened to our The Heartbreak Kid review back in season 16, do it. Albert Brooks is hilarious in that. There's a the last cre- like the credit scene with Dan and uh, Albert just riffing off each other is one of the funniest things I've heard from The Simpsons in years. It's great. The, the riffing with Albert Brooks is delightful. Like I just oh. did, um, I just did Life in the Fast Lane myself, and mm-hmm. some of the scenes between him and Marge where you can tell it's not a hundred percent scripted. They're just kind of going back and forth. They're so much fun to listen to. It's not quite breakfast. It's not quite lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good, a good meal. I mean, I but but I'd watched this in years, but then hearing. I just bought a boat. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know that it was Lovitz, but it's, I mean, and it, you're right, it doesn't sound exactly like another tramp, but the cadence of the- You have to do the, the arms. Whenever you say Lovitz, you have to do the- <laughs> You have to. <laughs> uh, but just the, the, the emphasis, I just bought a boat. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I was like, that's Lovitz. That's, that's Lovitz, right? yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Burns and Smithers then arrive at the house and Burns slight knock. I'll do it, sir. Open up, open up. And Smithers bangs on the door <laughs> and they make their way in. Even as Marge is like, would you like to come in? They just walk in anyway, puts a cloth down on the chair because he doesn't want to sit on a regular person, people's chair. And then they talk about um, uh, Ringo here and he talks about this, that Ed Sullivan appearance. What was he thinking? <laughs> that's, what, that's what set up the Beatles career, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and then he asks Marge, can, can you make me beautiful? She's like, I'm pretty sure I could. You just got to see the inner beauty. And she gets the gig, and then at last the world will see you as I always have. Now you, paint! And I'm like, Mr. <laughs> Burns is actually horrible in this, from start to finish. Like, he's just a mean, mean person. <laughs> feel feel free to um, excise this particular word or hit the uh, hit the profanity button, but one of my notes here, and it's when he comes in later and, uh, you know, rags on Homer's weight up, written, written down Wow, Burns, what a... Yeah, it's not good at all. <laughs> and, he's, and he's generally C-word all throughout this episode. Homer then arrives and he screams. And as I was saying earlier, I love that the fact that the people are still fear, fearing Burns at this point. Yeah. And she's like, don't worry, honey, I'm just going to find his inner beauty. He's like, oh, we're done. Now, Homer used to do, or Dan used to do this for Homer. He used to go, okay, a lot in the earlier years. And he stopped doing it. But it always just sounds odd to me. We sort of like groans and then says, okay. I'm like, I can't, it's just, it's a weird thing for me. But then Marge asks, you know, to Mr. Burns, you know, did you have a dog when you were a kid? kid? Oh, yes, I did. And then there's something on his leg and it's just Maggie. Then we get um, Smithers. He's taking the funny pages from Homer's paper. It's just, yeah, they're not, he's not being a very nice uh, guest at all in the Simpsons house. And this is where Marge walks in on him getting changed. I was always as a kid put off by his hairy chest. What about you guys? Just got this like little fluff on his chest. I was like, what is, is that? Mm. Is that, is that soap? Is that a scab? What is that? <laughs> when I was a kid, I never understood it. A little tuft of, uh, of, of silverback, yeah. Um, I, I guess we probably don't see him uh, without a shirt that much, but like, does he always have that weird little tuft in the middle? It looks like Velcro or something. It does look like Velcro. It looks like it shouldn't be there. Yeah, well, well we see him in the bath in Burns Air. I can't quite remember what, whether he has it or not. Oh, I'm I believe he does he have... Yeah, I, I drew that scene. I believe he has that weird little tuft there, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, I can't believe I'm putting this much thought into Mr. Burns' chest here. <laughs> <laughs> the life of an artist, my friend. I know. Oh, my. If you'll excuse me, I'm changing for a board meeting. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Burns. Hey, Mom, did he have those spots all over his body? I heard that. Oops. Would you feel more comfortable if I left too, sir? Of course not, Smithers. You're, you're like a doctor. Then we get Marge asking Smithers if it bothers him that he pushes him around all day. And we get the really nice moment that we, we discussed in detail earlier, that he values every second with Mr. Burns. And then he throws the um the scalding hot coffee on him. I, I'm aware, so it's burning me as we speak. And <laughs> then, uh, or scalding him as we speak. Then we get Ringo. Dear Sally, in response to your letter of December the 12th, 1966, my favourite colour is blue and my real first name is Richard. Thanks for the snapshot. You're a real cute bird. Love, Ringo. P.S. Forgive the lateness of my reply. Mr. Starr, tea and crumpets. Just said it over there. Sir, if you'll forgive an old Rick his impertinence, your devotion to your fans is nothing short of remarkable. Well, Weatherby, they took the time to write me, and I don't care if it takes me another 20 years. I'm going to answer every one of them. Hello, what's this? <sighs> From Springfield, USA. Gear. This is going to be one of the most iconic guest appearances ever, don't you reckon? It's just every everyone remembers this one. Of all the Beatles appearances, I think this one's got to be the best. It's the most. It's the most they had a Beatle do because I know McCartney was in like the last like maybe minute of the episode. Lisa the vegetarian. 
George Harrison had like two or three lines, but this one here feels like he's genuinely a part of the episode. Yeah, he, he does. But what's weird is like the Simpsons never actually meet him. This no. is the antithesis mm. of what a what we think of as a modern kind of a celebrity guest appearance. Normally, it's like, "Oh, Lady Gaga, what are you doing here?" or whatever. Yeah. But this is much more kind of subdued. This is an interaction that uh, you know a Midwestern housewife could theoretically have with uh, with celebrity. Yeah, a realistic um a realistic uh, interaction here with a celebrity. But yeah, you're right. In like the modern day Simpsons, they I, it, I really hate when they get the guest star and they always have to go. It's Lady Gaga! And it's like, we know. You don't have to yell out their name every time. It's Mel Gibson! It's like, yeah. come on, guys. But yeah, this was um, yeah, a really unique way to incorporate such a high-profile guest star. Because getting one of the Beatles is huge. And I believe at this point, not many people have appeared as themselves. There's um, yeah. uh, Tony Bennett in, in um, uh, Dancing Homer. Beyond that, I don't think many people have appeared as themselves. They've been guest stars, but... yeah. Most- Playing it's amazing they got three out of four. <laughs> well, I mean, they, but really they had to. I think McCartney's is the most iconic, possibly in the sense that he wouldn't mm. appear unless they agreed to have Lisa remain a vegetarian. That was his. That was his one rule. So I think he had the biggest impact on the show. But I think I still think that Ringo st- stars, like you were saying, you can use the "I hung it on me wall." Like, all those kind of quotes, you can still use them all the time. When nothing from McCartney's appearance. Can you really use like you can even use like George Harrison's like it's been done. That's like whenever someone copies something, it's been done by George Harrison. Yeah. That, that shot gets used all the time. Here, here's my take on it. I think the McCartney one feels the most like preachy. a deal. Yeah, preachy. Yeah. yeah, it feels like I'll be on your show, but we got to do it this way. You know, it's, it's got to be under these circumstances. The Harrison one, I think, is just a really great odd gag. What a I nice fellow. Like, it's like I just like wow, what a nice fellow. <laughs> But the Ringo one feels the most likable. Yeah, that's true. It really does. I mean, he just seems like a he seems good to Weatherby. Plus, the whole thing was like they took their time to read me. I'm going to write to every single one of them. Like, Good <laughs> on you, Ringo Starr. You're right about the whole um, the whole Thomas the Tank Engine thing as well. He just has a very sort of warm demeanor. I, I I'm kind of bummed hearing that potential fact slash rumor that he was like. Don't look me in the eye when I come to record. Don't ask me for an autograph. Don't talk to him. Don't approach him. Don't. He's not going to sign anything. I was like, ah, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> if you hear that, you almost want to go, you almost want to pull that Lennon line about, you're not even the best drummer in the Beatles, mate. I, I, I feel like something like that might not come directly from him. It might just be like an overprotective publicist or something. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what you pulled anyway. Well, they say that what they say that once the guy approached star he was like yeah sure whatever he just signed whatever so you're right it probably was just like a publicist rule that he just sends out to everybody but yeah but have you guys seen the uh the 2008 i'm not taking any more fan mail video by him no no if, oh, well, uh, no. so in 2008 he put a video on youtube where he basically said after this date uh october 2008 whatever it was i'm no longer going to take any more fan mail um, and it's just a really strange video. I'd, I'd recommend watching it after mm. this. It's um, it's just like peace and love, peace and love. But after this day, I will not be replying to any fan mail. And I think I have because of this. <laughs> yeah, I have a theory. It's because of this episode that so many people probably to yeah. the nineties and not. Well, everyone's like, yeah, everyone just assumed. Well, if I if I write to him, he's going to write back. He's still writing back to fan yeah. mail to this day. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he, he put a complete stop to it in two thousand eight. Imagine being like somebody out there who's actually received some fan mail from Ringo Starr, though. It would be the greatest. No, <laughs> It'd be awesome. Um, where were we up to, though? Gear. 
He's, been, oh, yeah, oh, he's, yes, he's getting yeah, the letter. Yeah, he's getting yeah, the letter he's, from. He's, he's opening he's, Marge's letter. That's right. Yes. And um, it's just first he's opening Sally's. One of my trivia questions actually was: Let's yeah. go back to trivia. When did Sally's uh, letter arrive, or when oh. was it dated? Oh, I don't know. When was it? December twelfth, nineteen sixty-six. Okay. I like that. We call French fries chips. Love Ringo. <laughs> I love the all these prosaic questions that he's getting asked. My yeah. favorite color is blue. <laughs> 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 but then, as you were saying, I used it at the start, forgive the lateness of my reply. I think every Simpsons fan has used that at least once in an, in an email, in a letter or something. <laughs> if, we, if we are late to something, it's always, forgive the lateness of my reply. And everyone's like, oh, I get what you're talking about there. That's Ringo Starr. I think that's the sort of line where I would use it and I wouldn't even remember. I wouldn't even register that it was a Simpsons yeah. book. I would use it because yeah. it's you know part of my vocabulary, but it wouldn't be actively referencing The Simpsons. I wonder if there's people out there that say things like, hi, everybody, and don't actually know that it's, it's Dr. Nick. It's just because everyone else, they've grown up with everyone else saying it. They just assume it's part of pop yeah. culture, but it's just part of how we say things. Yeah. Uh, but then we get Lisa practicing and Burns yells at her. Is that cease that infernal tootling? Because that's that's a bit of a, a, a sort of a classic line. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe just for me. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I mean, gear, gear is, have we, have we gone past gear? Yeah, so we talked about... Uh, yeah, yeah, I just think that's also just a lovely moment. I mean, I didn't know what that was until I saw this episode and why is he saying gear? And then you look it up and it's like, oh, that's Liverpool slang for great. All right! Whoa! Whoa! March, I'm 239 and I'm feeling fine. Look, I'm using the original notches that came with my belt. That's wonderful, Homer. I'm so proud Let me of you. get this straight. You're pleased with your current appearance? <laughs> oh, why, my good man, you're the fattest thing I've ever seen. And I've been on safari. <laughs> if you need me, I'll be in the refrigerator. I've always loved Dan's delivery of, I'm 239 and I'm feeling fine. <laughs> like, he's so happy and so proud of himself. He's down to the original notches on his belt. And Marge, as well, Julie as well, she she carries it. No, oh, I'm so I'm so proud of you, homie. And then Burns heckles him. And it's the cruelest, as we were saying earlier. You're the fattest thing I've ever seen and I've been on safari. <laughs> and Smithers there with laughing at him as well. I'm like, you dog. <laughs> like, I, I, I like you, Smithers. Now you're laughing at Homer's obesity. But Marge kicks him out. She's had enough of it. And he says, thank God, another day in a suburban nightmare. He would have needed a half a white Valium. Then we get Homer here. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to sound ridiculously stupid here. But when I was a little kid, Marge walks in and sees Homer with a can towards him at the whipped cream, right? We call it whipped cream. You guys call it, I don't know what you call it in Scotland, but in English, England it's called squirty cream, uh, <laughs> and which tickles me. I love it, squirty cream. Never not laugh at that. But uh, uh, I always thought that he was trying to kill himself because the, the severity of the way Marge was like, don't do it. And Homer's like, no, it's right. What's the use? And the music they're playing, I always thought he was trying to kill himself. And I was like, Jesus, this got dark. Because I, I, I never realized it was just whipped cream. <laughs> Well, it's, it's got to be a deliberate decision. It's meant to be over-exaggerating the fact that it's like ruining, he's just ruining a diet, but it seems like it's ruining his life. But as a kid, I genuinely thought Homer was trying to end it all in the kitchen. I, I'm not really sure how, like, how pressurized do you think that whipped cream is? <laughs> I didn't know it was whipped cream. I was just like, what, what's he, what is he? Is it, is it oil? What is he trying to put in his mouth? Marge Mar surely couldn't be over-exaggerating like this if it's just whipped cream. But then Marge says, you know, you know, there's, there's no good in that man. I can't do it. And Mr. Burns' evilness has made her once again give up on her abilities. And then this is where she finds, or Homer finds a letter from Merry Old England. Dear Marge, thanks for the fab painting of yours truly. I hung it on me wall. You're quite an artist. In answer to your question, yes, we do have hamburgers and fries in England, but we call French fries chips. 
Love, Ringo. P.S. Forgive the lateness of my reply. No! Then we get the time lapse of her trying to paint all these different burns, trying to work out how she's going to do this, and she eventually gets the idea. To uh, Don't Come Easy, by the way. Exactly, yes. Which is, this is, that's his biggest hit, right? Solo hit? I mean, I guess by technicality. Does Ringo have any hits? Yeah, well, that, that was a pretty big hit, that one, when it first sure. came out in the early 80s, I'd say. But did he have, like, because you would have remembered Guy, did he have any other big solo songs, really? That's the big Not one, Not really, right? no. I think so. Yeah. Um, oh, with a little help from my friends? I mean, that's not really his song. It's a but cover, that's the Beatles. It? Still, it's still under the Beatles banner. But yeah, like the Yellow Submarine, Little Help My, little help my Friends, Octopus's Octopus Garden. Octopus's Garden. Yeah. The Beatles documentary that's on Disney Plus, you see them. He walks into the studio. Have you seen? Have you watched it? Get Back. Oh, yeah. There's a Get Back. I haven't watched it yet. It, in like five minutes, they write Octopus's Garden. And it's one of the most fucking unbelievable things I've ever seen. Because I'm a massive Beatles fan, Dave. I've got like John Lennon tattooed on my arm and stuff like that. Huge Beatles fan. And. He and it's just Paul hadn't arrived yet, and by that point, Paul was very sort of, uh, you know, p- protective of the Beatles brand, and he was just sort of trying to take over everything. But George is in the studio by himself, and Ringo arrived. He's like, I've just written, you know, written this song, and he sort of got a couple of lines from Octopus's Garden, and George is like, Try this, and he starts. They sort of like, and George and Ringo essentially write Octopus's Garden, and then John walks in with Yoko, and like, John, check this out, and John adds a little thing as well, and it's like these three guys just watch watching them create Octopus's Garden, a song that I loved as a child. I'm like. This is just incredible. Like their minds, but then Paul comes in and they're just like, let's not show Paul. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm a huge Beatles fan. You said you've watched it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, it's it's weird because you're used to the the Beatles as being these monolithic icons, but then you just get to see them kind of tinkering away in the creative process. It's um, yeah, like uh, I mean, obviously I don't have a a big fancy studio or whatever, but it's it's nice to kind of see that their creative process is similar to someone like me where you just get in a wee room and just think of some ideas you start putting stuff out there and then seeing what sticks I love that I love that when George just quits the band he's just like I'm done I know yeah (laughs) it's funny it's a big cliffhanger but like we all know he comes back Yeah, like, they try to make it a cliffhanger. It's like, all the episodes are on there. We can just go to the next one. We know what happens next. But yeah, just what a boss moment. It's like, I think I'm done. What, going to lunch? No, nah, with the band. <laughs> and then it's, also like, it's also not very dramatic. It's not like a big, you know, a big no. model or whatever. It's just like, no, nah, I'm done. Bye. Yeah, just, he Qu- just leaves. Quintessential uh, Harrison, though. Yeah, exactly. And Paul was just like, did that just happen? <laughs> did he just quit the band? It's, it's so great. You have so much respect for George after it. But then we're at the that Springfield- That doco about Harrison is really yeah. good as well, living in the material world one. Oh, I haven't watched that one yet. I will have to check that one That's out. That's fantastic. Yeah. It goes for like three hours as well. I think Martin Scorsese, the director, wow. or produced it. Okay. It's really good. Um, we're at the Springfield Palace of the Fine Arts, and we unveil- what does she call the um the painting? Does it have a name, Mr. Burns's painting? I'm not sure if it does. Anyway, it's just the new paint, the new bur- mm. uh, painting of Mr. Burns is what she unveils, and um, Smithers faints. And we get, even this, as we were saying earlier, Lombardo here. Oh, I don't care for this at all. <laughs> and then Marge explains it, and the way she explains it, it's like, oh, this is actually very sweet. This is very meaningful, and it um yeah, it's actually a really good painting. Um, hello. My name is Marge Simpson, and I painted this. Maybe you'd like to know what possessed me to do it. Well, I guess I wanted to show that beneath Mr. Burns's fearsome head with its cruel lips, spiteful tongue, and evil brain, there was a frail, withered body, perhaps not long for this world, as vulnerable and beautiful as any of God's creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Mm. 
provocative, but uh, powerful. He's bad, but he'll die. So I like it. It's like I've always said, and David, you might back me up on this, or you may think that I'm just completely wrong. But uh, art is 50% doing the art and 50% coming up for an explanation of what the art actually is. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely disagree. Uh, your, your percentages are way off. It's 90% waiting for other people to tell you what it is. <laughs> That's the beauty of it, isn't it? You just you just create shit. Just create, honest shit, but you create something and go here. You tell me what it means. <laughs> no, it belongs to the edges. Yeah. <laughs> and Burns, he says, you know, I hate many things, but I don't hate this. And uh, thanks for not making fun of my genitalia, even though Marge thought that she did. So yeah, it was so lovely to go back and revisit this episode. Bang, and we're out. I'm sorry. Yeah. A good ending is worth its weight in gold, platinum, frankincense, and myrrh. It's, mm, I love it. Um. I'll tell you what's got a great ending, Robocop. You know, bang, 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 and uh, what's your name, son? Murphy. Bang, Robocop. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Likewise with this. You don't have to hang around. It's yeah. like, mm, oh, I thought I did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a perfect ending. The themes of this episode have been explored by that point. You don't need a scene of Homer and Marge in bed being like, oh, I'm so glad you did that art, honey, you know? Yes. Um, it's made his point. Yeah, yeah. Marge has found her gift once again. I mean, it's a shame that they don't actually continue her painting after this, but still, like you're saying, just the perfect end note. It would be really nice, I think, if you just had in the background like an easel mm-hmm. or something in the Simpsons house, you know, I mean... Uh, in her spare time, she still know. paints. Yeah. Yeah, just an acknowledgement that it's it's there, that it's part of her, part of her life. But exactly. Anyway. But yes, overall, a fantastic episode that, as we're saying... The first five minutes or so are dedicated to Matt Splashmore. That doesn't matter because Matt Splashmore is so great. A great <laughs> guest appearance from John Lovitz as um as Professor Lombardo, and um and the Donut Man, and just a great Marge story and a home. I guess he has a great Homer story as well because he's a great husband, a great father through this, and he sets the goal for himself and he achieves it. And there's nice ones where the A, bo- a plot and the B plot dovetail as well. Well, it doesn't really feel like an A and a B plot. It's just that's the story at the mm. same time. Yeah. All right. Now, let's take these final few moments, Dave. Let's talk about yourself. So, for those of you oh, no. that aren't aware, you've, as we've discussed earlier, you started, when did you do the Lenny comic? Was it earlier, t- was it 2021 or was it early last year? It was early 2021. Early 2021, March. yeah. And if you're a Simpsons fan, if you listen to this podcast, there's a very good chance you know the comic we're talking about. But, um, so, what made you want to do this? I honestly don't remember. It was, uh, like I was saying earlier, it was just like, I was just sitting around watching TV and I was doing a just doing doodling on my iPad. Has this always been your style, the, the, the way you're drawing these Simpsons characters? No, I started trying something new with that one, to be honest. Um, this kind of full watercolour style was something I was experimenting with, and that was my first kind of debut of it, I suppose. And um, people really connected to it, so I just kept drawing in that style. I feel like it really helps you connect with the characters. It's it's weird. It's hard to sort of describe, but like in particular, like that Lenny comic, the way you draw drew him, it's kind of like you're feeling his emotion where you don't really feel it when you're looking in the Simpsonized version? Yeah, I mean, I, I get, people sometimes are annoyed that I don't draw them the way that they actually are in the show. And I'm like, if you want to see them the way they look in the show, just watch the show, you know? Yeah. I, I, want, I, want to, I don't want to just do a cover version. I want to sort of do my own interpretation of things. So that's why I draw them like a certain way with these muted colors and these little dot eyes. It's just how I like to do it, you know? Yeah. So um, I, 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 yeah, and but I, I saw that you also you're doing like Patreon now. 
Thank God for mm-hmm. Patreon, by the way. If you're Patreons. a supporter of our show, check it out on Patreon. But yeah, so your Patreon, what is your Patreon? Is it just slash David B. Cooper? Uh, yes, David B. Cooper, yeah. Yes. Now, yeah. I saw each month you give away an art print if you're a certain tier. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. If uh, it's £10 a month and you get a, a print of one of my paintings, uh, like this month, there's one that's um, Skinner on Silhouette Night. So it's like Skinner sat in front of all the the silhouettes and frames, but he's looking really sad because that's what I do. Sad Simpsons. Yes. And what <laughs> got shared on the Simpsons Twitter? How awesome is that? Yeah, it did. yeah, that was amazing. It was, you know, I know the Simpsons Twitter is just run by some intern or something. Yeah, but it really, it really felt like I was getting approval from Homer himself. You know, because <laughs> they've shared two, right? They did the Skinner one. Wasn't there another one they shared? There's one I did of uh, Legs, his legs his name, the gangster, one of Fat Ah, the four, the four crusty one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and seeing <laughs> double here, four crusty, but it's like infinite crusties. Yes. <laughs> we got retweeted by Josh Weinstein, a former showrunner with Bill Oakley, mm-hmm. and then The Simpsons retweeted that retweet, and I'm like, so it's like being the the cousin of a retweet so like we've, we've technically been retweeted by uh by the simpsons but not in the way you have they literally got your image put it up there and said hey check out this guy which is i know it's honorable and honoring here um i mean getting getting shared by josh weinstein's no no nothing to shake a stick at obviously he's no like- he's a big deal at the cracker factory these days <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's realized Oh wait! People want to know all the ins and outs of, of, of when I worked on the show, and that's like, yes, sir, we do. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I, I love when people like him and, and Bill Oakley are just like, we will reveal to you the secrets now. We'll unlock the vault. That's one thing I love about the um, guys like that is just they're so open, and you can just tell they're fans of the show as well. And it just it makes you just love that era of The Simpsons even more. I think. I think it would be easy to, like, sort of distance yourself from from something like that and just be like no i want to focus on what i'm doing now but these guys have a nice balance of like they're doing their new stuff like uh, josh is on disenchanted i think um but also we're, we're gonna give the fans what they want i think that's that's lovely and I, I love what they're like um someone like matt selman he's doing stuff with the show where it's like a conversation with the fans like when they had um was a spike to a couch gag last year did you yes. see that yeah, yep. I thought that was like such a lovely thing to do because like they don't have to do that. They can just make the show in their own little bubble if they want. But the fact that they're constantly having a conversation back with their fans is uh, a- admirable. Do you think it's a case of they've realized now the people who have stuck around with us, we've got to keep them around because, you know, a lot of them have dropped off. So the ones that are still supporting us, how about after 34 years, let's just give back to them a little bit. Because it's not hard, like you said, to let a guy draw a couch gag. They don't have to do anything. He's, he's doing the work for them. Yeah. If they said to you, draw a couch gag, what do you think you... like? I know it's, it's off the top of your head, it's impossible to think of, but where do, what angle do you think you would take? Would you go the Lenny kind of like sort of sad, depressing route? Or, or how would you take it, do you think? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I think it'd have to take a couple of weeks just to kind of calm yeah. down from the <laughs> offer first. Is it, it, I'm telling you, it'll happen. It will happen eventually. <laughs> if only. Uh, I don't know. It's like there's there's so many ways to interpret um, the the way the the show is shaped in my brain, and and so many of the couch gags are like um, so many of the guest couch gags are like commenting on the show. So I guess I'd, I'd want to do something like that. Like, here's what the show means to me. But I don't yeah. know how that. Would materialize in in catch gag form all right mr davis any final questions for mr david cooper before we let him go 
not so much a question as a statement, just uh, keep fighting the good fight, keep doing the good work, man, and uh, keep refreshing that Twitter feed because I, I'm, I'm finding it a, a, not just an, uh, a feast for the eyes but a feast for uh, the mind as well. I, lo- I liked your uh, conflation of the Godfather, Arrested Development and Succession, i got to say. <laughs> Apparently I was slightly wrong about that because uh, Michael Corleone is not the middle brother. Ah, well. But, oh, well. Not, you, not we everyone's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they put erasers on pencils. But honestly, keep chipping away. I'm, I'm ex- How long do you think it's going to take before you get to every character? Is it, are you just doing the first 10 seasons? Like, what, what, What's your goal? Like, what, Where are you going to stop? The title is Every Simpsons Character, and I'm not going to stop until I've done every Simpsons character. Oh, there we Although, go. All right. <laughs> so I, so I, but I, like, I feel like, um, you know, I'm coming towards the end of season one. We've covered a lot of, uh, you know, significant characters, big characters. I don't need to do Flanders again. I don't need to do... Yeah. Um, you know, burns again or whatever. So my theory is that there'll be less per episode the more I go on. I still don't think I'm ever going to complete it, but you know, are you gonna do, do you do guest stars as well? Oh yeah, yeah. If they sneak, yeah. they get a thing. Um, what's been really fun as well is like uh, I do a little blog post for all of them, and some of them, you know, you don't get very much to say about random uh, the guy at the pawn shop or whatever, but. Uh, it's been a good way for me to kind of put out my thoughts about like, here's um, a character from the nuclear power plant. Here's what nuclear power means in the context of the Simpsons. Here's the impact that the Simpsons has had on the world's perception of nuclear power. It's, it's fun. It's like the dumbest form of academia. <laughs> I think that'd be actually kind of cool to sort of have the, the power to create this backstory and this life of the characters that would some, or normally just be, you know, that guy that's standing to the side of Lenny and Carl. But now you can fully flesh them out and give them a story. That's pretty cool. Well, there's strange little patterns, you know, to say. I covered one guy recently from Homer's Night. I, you know, when um, they're passing the picture around. There's this yes, one- I saw the post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So there's a guy from um, that sequence who seemingly works at the plant, but then he shows up. <laughs> he shows up a season later working in the White House, oh. and it's the same guy. And you're like, <laughs> how, how did he get from there? To-? And obviously, the animators weren't thinking about that story. Yeah. But you know, the, as someone who's covering this in such minute detail, my brain just sort of fills in the blanks. How fun! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really fun. Um, now let's talk about um also before we let you go let's let's do some plug-in so what else i saw you got like the movember prints and things like let's plug everything that you can get available from your website like, what what just shill yourself basically oh no i don't take praise very well uh, <laughs> if you go to davidbcooper.bigcartel.com you can see a bunch of stuff what i'm selling uh there's the let there's a print version of the lenny comic there's a print version of the sequel to the lenny comic that was about barney uh, last year, I did a wee collection of all of a bunch of my Simpsons art called "Do the Art Man." In fact, you know, I'll say that <laughs> if you go to www.dotheartman.com, that's sort of a, a simple way to kind of see a bunch of the Simpsons art I've done. And then I released another comic last year called "Cosmo the Stoked," which is sort of a parody of the Sonic the Hedgehog comics from my youth. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about uh, being sad, like all my stuff apparently is. <laughs> Hey, if it works, it works, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the main thing would be go to patreon.com slash David B. Cooper if you want to see the 200 plus posts about Simpsons characters and uh, they'll hopefully be doing for many years to come. 100% endless content. Make sure you support this man because he is doing some fantastic work. Thank you. All right. Well, David B. Cooper, yeah, thank stay you so the much. course, Big Dave. You're doing super. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much, Mr. David B. Cooper, for joining us here to review Brush with Greatness. It's been an absolute delight. Congratulations once again for your new little one. Is it a boy or a girl? Do we know yet? Is it a boy? It's a wee girl. Coming next month. Very excited. Oh, exciting times oh, ahead. Yes, I've got a little girl. She's too. Very, very exciting times ahead. All right. But thank you so much again for your time, mate. And you have a fantastic 2023. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. It's always fun talking Simpsons with other nerds. Thanks so much, David. Shh.